0: Well, hello everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Switch of Play with myself, Mark Simpson, and good evening again, Mickey Barron. Good evening,
1: Mark. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good response from last week from uh, Ken's episode, and I think everyone was really surprised how open and honest he was about his yeah. time at the football club and, and I one, and I, I was fascinated listening to him. I really was, especially for the reasons why he came to the football club in the first place, and. And I love the story about how he chose Chris Turner. I thought that was amazing <laughs> how he decided to go with Chris as a manager. But um, no, I, I, I don't think we could have asked
0: him to be more open and more honest in some of his answers. He's already been on to me saying that there's a part two. He says there's a part two in him. <laughs> so if we want him back, he's, he's already uh, signed a pre-contract to come back on.
1: Well, to be honest, I think there could be a part two, three and four because <laughs> we, we had to sort of move him on. We were only probably two, three managers in, so... Yeah, I think at some point it would be great to get back on and hear about what he thought about the rest of the time and sort of the time when Iowa was thinking of, of leaving the club and, and the managers he worked under as well. So, yeah, definitely a part two.
0: And this, tonight's episode is exciting for more reasons than one. Obviously, you tweeted about it earlier, how excited you are to get Mark Tinkler! I think he's been mentioned in pretty much every episode we've done so far, <laughs> somewhere along the way. Uh, we'll cover that in a second because it's also exciting because tonight is the first ever sponsored episode of switch of play, Pretty Busy Signs, which is the brainchild of, of your good lady, uh, Mickey. Tell us a little bit more about this company. Yeah, it's, it's something she started about six
1: months ago, and basically she made a, a house sign for us, and um, she put it up, and she put it on Instagram, and, and a couple of people liked it, and, and sort of said, can you make me want a few friends, a people from work, and before you know it, she's making quite a few of these signs she's also yeah. makes sort of hoops as well with names in reeds and stuff and and it's just grown and grown she does a hell of a lot of work outside of her job she does this part-time and uh, working from our shed in the garden and um, just trying to find some time to do it so it's been a, it's been really successful for her but she's just actually going to move into sort of more of a men's side so like man cave yeah. football type of things as well so she's 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 obviously trying to get a little bit of exposure but um, no it's really exciting for her
0: well if anyone wants to see you can search Pretty Busy Signs on Facebook and Twitter to see an example of, of what the kind of thing she's doing and, and Mickey we've also got a prize to give away as a competition for one switcher player viewer or listener as well haven't we yeah we have we've got it here this is the type of sign she does um, this yeah. one's
1: obviously Victoria Park she can do them in different colours for different teams as I say we've got the Barons up in our house Um so yeah if you go on the website Pretty Busy Signs and have a look but this is the one that we're going to We're going to give away basically for someone hopefully to put it in their house or in their man shed as it is now.
0: Well, if you fancy that sign of Victoria Park, then keep an eye on Switch of Play's social media over the next day or two. We're going to run a competition where you might be able to get your hands on that. So do keep an eye out of that. And as you say, pretty busy signs on Facebook and Twitter. Go Go and search them out. Our first official sponsor of Switch of Play. And tonight's episode is going to be a belt. There, Mark Tigler, What can be said about him, Mickey? I know you 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 love him to bits. He's a bit. He's he's a great character, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't say this lightly, but I'm honoured to be his friend. I've known him for 30 years. We played on the same county team together, right. um, and he was an unbelievable footballer. Even as a kid, he was one of those players you didn't want to play against because he was that good. And obviously, he went off to Leeds. I went to Middlesbrough. And to be honest, we didn't keep him touched that much until he right. came back to Hartlepool. But if you want someone in the trenches with you and someone to keep morale up, he would be the man to pick. I don't think I know anyone that would say a bad word about him. He's funny, but he's a good friend. If, you, if you're after a friend, he's, he'll be there for you. Um, he's even funnier when he's had a couple of beers. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to tonight. And hopefully, he'll tell, tell a few stories that will make people laugh.
0: Well, welcome to Switcher Play. Mark Tinkler, delighted to get you on, Tinks. Um, how are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good, Mark. Thanks. Um,
2: obviously it's a strange time for everybody. I think we obviously we're not back at back at work yet. I don't think we start back till um, till the twenty-second. But obviously the first team's back and um, they all train again. So I don't think the eighteens and twenty threes are back till the twenty second of, of July. So yeah, desperate to get back, mate, to be honest with you. It's it's about, think, over maybe four months off now and I think our lads need to get back in, into some kind of routine and, and working again and, and doing some training really. So it's going to be tough for them as well because um, when you kind of go out the house for months and you kind of do what you normally do, it would have been tough for the young lads as well, mentally and, and getting that physical work into them as well. So
1: so have you had contact with them, Tinks? Have you been sort of talking to them or having any contact with them or have you just left them?
2: Yeah, I've jumped on them. They've been doing Zoom calls with uh, the fitness and fitness um, guys with Louis and, and Johnny Madden, strength and conditioning stuff. Um, I've jumped on them just so they can see me face. But, but we've yeah. at the moment that the, the coach is a furloughed. Right. Um, but there's only there's there's obviously Louis Cunningham, was a sports scientist, um, strength and conditioning guy. He, he does all that, so he sends them programs, and they've been. Doing it. But I've, I've been jumping on the on the Zoom call, I just so they see me face, i I'll be crap with the lads and see how they're doing and stuff. But um, yeah, at the start, before we got put on furlough, I was, I was in contact with them and seeing how they were doing and stuff. Um, but I think they, they desperately get back playing football like we think they would. Yeah,
1: be. I think what you must said though, things I think the physical side of it will be easy to get back into, but I think that mental side of it is going to be tough for a lot of people, especially lads at that age when they're They've been away so long, and as you say, some of them being isolated. so I think that's a part of football clubs are going to have to concentrate on.
2: Yeah, definitely, mate. It's, it's. I've spoken to a couple of lads, and they're the first things he said. They, they found it tough, uh, not, not being with the mates, and you know, it's like when you're, when you're interchanging with your mates on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, you have you have four to six weeks up the end of the season, but when you're not there for four months and not having that interaction, that um, bit of crap with your mates, it, it takes its toll. And when you kind of get out the house much and you. You kind of you kind of go and see your mates. It's, it's tough for young people at the moment, um, and yeah, they just just desperately get back and get out back out on the grass and play some football, really.
0: Because you're the under-18s lead coach. Just for anyone who, by the way, I might be catching up and doesn't know, you're the oh, under-18s yeah. lead coach at Middlesbrough. is that always something you really wanted to go into the coaching side even when you were um, there?
2: Not really. I never really thought about it, Mark, until until the back end of Ukraine. I spoke to, to Dave Parnaby. Obviously, Dave's. Um, well-respected guy in, in, in youth development um, and Dave was my school teacher at um, Spennyville Comp. Right. So when I finished at Livingston, Dave got in contact and said, do you want to come down and, and watch some sessions and do a bit of coaching? So I went down and I, I got involved with it and I started three years with the 14s and a year with the 16s and the last eight years with with the 18s. The um, last three years as, as a league coach. So, yeah, I, I love it. I love, I love um, coach development. I love coaching young, young players and to see that the development not just as, as players but as young people as well, how they how they come on from when they come from sixteen and I would I would see them mature in the good good young people is, is a is a big thing as well for me. Um yeah, it's, it's 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 great. I enjoy it. I don't know I don't know what's next. I think the next year or two will decide whether I want to go into the into the first team game. I think I'll right. um have had a couple of opportunities to, to be um first team coach so but just wasn't the right time for me. Um but yeah, I think like I say, I, I enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy coaching young young players, and um, yeah, it's, it's, obviously it's a different it's a different environment now we live in. Different yeah. kids have different mentality, um, brought up differently. So you always you always it's tough because you work with them every day, and you, the the confidence is a big thing, and, and getting them um, 100% every day, and they, they, they don't really take responsibility at times a lot of them because yeah. they're coming from home and everything's done for them, like. Like we do for our kids, we, do, we do probably do too much and we run, run about after them like, like anything. But, um, but when you come into a full-time environment, you've, you've got to learn quickly because you only get a short, short period of time where you can progress into that next level, really.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, though, things. I think
2: when we were YDSs, and this would probably
1: take us nicely into sort of the start of your career, some of the things we, we had to do as YDSs was it was just a culture but you never questioned it, whereas now I think people would question it, rightly so. I remember one of my first weeks at Middlesbrough, every single player got in the change room and one of the white yeses was in trouble and everyone was clapping hands. And I was saying, Jesus, what's going on here? And this lad had to come in, Pollock naked, not a stitch on, and he had his bag and he was cuddling his bag. And I was like, <laughs> one, to one of the old lads, like, what's he doing? And he laid his bag down on the physio bench. And he was like, oh, it's a punishment, he has to shag his bag. So you open the zip and he's like pretending he's having sex with his bag on the thing. and Didn't two, weeks, that. <laughs> two, two weeks after leaving school, this is. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure this yeah. is the right place. For me. No, I, well, those sort of things happen regularly. Like we used to have yeah, to press up in the big bath, So your head was going under the water. And, and at the time, it's like, oh, it'll make you a man. It'll do the book. Today, the, the, you wouldn't get away with doing anything like that, what nah, you?
2: No, don't because, um, like you say, you, you, you kind of do. It. I remember when I was at YT at Leeds and you used to, you used to have the court cases, didn't you? Somebody, yeah, somebody yeah. And, and they appeal, appealed against it, so you used to go in front of a committee. <laughs> and it was um, Paul Pettinger, the goalkeeper, and he lost. He, he never had his one your, your court case, anyhow. No. Anyway, you know, he, he, um, <laughs> he got tied to the goalpost that went full at them, where we used to train um Put boot polish all over him and Vaseline and, and all that sort of stuff, tied to him. And so you had like everybody had a ball each, and they were hitting balls. And somebody hit him in the head. He's hit his <laughs> head back off the post, and he's knocked his cell out. He's he's on the post like that. He's knocked out. So Paul had Paul stopped everything after that. He went absolutely mad. He said no more court cases, none of that anymore. So that, that got knocked on the head, and that was my second year. Of that, yeah. So they, they, they don't do any of that. They still. To try and get them to do the Christmas dances in front of the first team, and that, but we we, we cannot make them do it. It's down to them. Yeah. And, um, obviously, the first team put a bit of money in, so they might they might want to get a bit of cash. But not all of them do it. Um, like you say, it's a, they're not they're not used to that sort of environment. You know, coming from home and what they come from. It's a different mentality these days. Um, you've got to you've got to learn to deal with that and adapt to that as a as a coach. I
0: think and as a as somebody who's looking after them players, really. I've always thought that you know, like. Even the time when I was at Hartlepool, the, the way that the youth team were treated and the, the sort of things they were asked to do and, and, and stuff, not, not the shagging a bag thing, not, not that <laughs> sort of thing, but in terms of the jobs and the discipline side of things, it, it sort of mellowed a little bit. And I just wonder whether that doesn't help with the character building. You know, it was almost like a case of you have to do this to show how determined you are to make it as a professional footballer. If you can't cope with that, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think Sorry.
1: you're right. I mean, I remember on on a Friday, we used to have to clean the minibuses that we were going to use on a Saturday. So there would be five or six, cleaning the minibus outside Airson Park. And, and the coach was saying, hey, look, you're traveling in this bus, so you make sure it's tidy. And if it's not tidy, you're not going home. So mm-hmm. we knew that we had to do it properly or we wouldn't be going home. But then one of the first teamers would drive up and say, right, clean my car. But if you say, I'm not going to do it, then you're going to get home even later. So it's all right. we'll get it done. We'll get it done to as best as we possibly can because that means we can go home. And I think that takes you into life a little bit that if we're going to do something, we might as well do it as best as we can.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I still get them to do their jobs. They obviously make sure the the sport's on, the gym's clean and the changing rooms. we have knocked the boots on the air. They don't do boots anymore. That, that's got knocked on the air. I think it's you get you get so many restrictions brought in now from from other departments in terms of the FA and all sorts come in it, but you can't, can't allow them to do. Um, but yeah, that's, I'll still get them to try and take responsibility. If if they, if they come on the minibus, you don't have to um, get buses now they get picked up from the ground in the minibus. So they, they get everything done for them. I remember I put a, a few years ago, I put a, a bus, a bus time in the, in the change room cause I was keeping them back cause they weren't, they weren't doing the job swapping and stuff. Anyway, um, that gets that get knocked on the head straight away. You no, know, they kind of get a bus they need to get the minibus with the lads, so you've got to get us off at a certain time. There's all sorts of things coming into, into into your thinking these days to, to try and to try and look after the lads really, because yeah. you know you it's, know it's, it's, it gets a bit. You look back on your time, and it gets a bit. It gets a bit. Come on, you've, you've got to give them some responsibility sometime. Are they not going to mature? they going to have no no character in themselves. There's going to be no real um leaders in, in the group, you know. Um, so it gets a bit tough.
1: Yeah, Talking of doing the boots, I remember uh, Graham Lee's brother, Anthony. And anyone that knows Anthe, he's well, daft as a brush is a good way of putting it. But he used to always try and wind the first team lads up. So one day, it was end, near the end of the season, the first team's come in, chucked all his boots at him and said, I want you to Vaseline the boots. So what he meant was, take the studs out, put a little bit of Vaseline on, and then you put the studs in, but not as tight. So, that it just looks after the studs and, and keeps them well. So I heard, um, I never got, I was tied into the boots. I actually had uh, Gary Parkinson's boots still and his first team had come in he was absolutely raging. And what Ant had done, he got all his rubbers and put bits of Vaseline on the bottom of all his rubber studs in his boots. So there was just Vaseline all over the bottom of all his studs. And we, he didn't know that he was supposed to take the studs out yeah. and vaseline them. But obviously the rubber ones, you can't come out. So he must have just thought, oh, I'll just vaseline. So he just wiped vaseline
2: all over the bottom. That, that doesn't surprise me with Ant at all. That. Oh, definitely, yeah. Mick, we all that night when, because um, I used to do Chris Kamara's books at Leeds. Um, a couple of us went out and I chose that. I don't think you were there, mate. I think it was only three or four, but I think it was me, Westy, Daz, um, and somebody else. And we went to the you walk know, walkabout in Durham. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't seen Cammy for years and here he is on the stage singing, he's going to sing. I couldn't believe it, obviously it was a student night and um, I walk in I think, is that Cammie singing up there and he's singing Lionel Richie songs <laughs> I go to the front
0: and I see It oh, like, it's unbelievable, I couldn't believe it I, I would say, I, would say I, I don't know Chris Kamara particularly well at all but I had his number from something he was doing a feature at Harlepool one season, it might have been when you lads were there and, I came off, I'd been playing cricket one night and I came off the pitch and I had 32 missed calls off Chris Kamara. (laughs) I was like, what on earth could possibly be that important? So then I had like a number of voicemails as well, right? So I've got like a voicemail saying, Mark, it's coming. Ringers, ringers immediately, ringers. And it went on and it got about (laughs) seven messages. Mark, ringers, ringers. And then the eighth voicemail was, sorry, mate, wrong Mark. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <He's joking. laughs> oh, brilliant!
2: <laughs> he was a great bloke he used to give us remember the Maddie Das Torjans? oh yeah bro, he used to give us loads of them he was, he was great great really coming cool. <laughs> so things just I
1: was saying yeah. to Mark before like, we've known each other since we played on the county together when well 13, 14 year old we used to play against it He used to play for Chester Town and I was saying at that age group you were as good a player as I can remember or probably seen do you know what i mean you were obviously involved with england then what what sort of like what other options did you have apart from going to leeds and what what sort of made your mind up to go to leeds
2: yeah i think obviously like you're saying that you play for your school and your district and your county and i was fortunate to get picked finger and play for captain england school by so you get a lot, a lot more exposure then so a lot more clubs are phoning us all the time and trying to get us to go down on trial and it come to a stage where I wouldn't answer my landline in the house because I, I, um, I got, I got, I got, was getting to us a bit, if I'm being honest. I'm, just a, I'm a lad from a, a little mining village by his way, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting all this exposure and people want to take us in, sign it, uh, take us there. And I've got Dennis Smith, son of the manager, coming to my house trying to trying to sign it and stuff. Um, I remember we went down to, well, my daddy wanted to sign us, so they took us down for the, um, for a game. And my mum and we did, there's no agents then so my mum and dad didn't have a have a clue what was going on. So my mum and dad and my brother went down. I think they played, they were play, playing no old traffic. I think was, they play millwall, I think. Um and we were sat in the in the players' lounge where they have the pre-match meal. and I'm sat like 20 yards away having some food with my mum and dad, and my brother, and I've got Brian Robson sat up there, and all the other superstars, and I was thinking, am I in a dreamy or something? This this is so surreal, is and um, an hour before kick-off, Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson gets us in his office and he, he's discussing um, contracts and what, we, what we're going off here. I mean, obviously, my mum works in a factory, I mean, My dad was a wagon driver, so they haven't got a clue what, what type of contract he, I should be having and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it was just a surreal time. And like You talk about uh, managers who have different different ways of trying to sign. I went down to Notch Forest for a couple of days and Alan Hill invited, me. he said, oh, uh, the manager wants to meet you. So I thought he was just going to take us into his office and shake hands and stuff. Uh, he said, I'll pick up in the morning. I thought, oh, pick us up in where's he, where's he taking us? Eh? Is he? Um, so he picked us up in the morning and he took us to Brian Clough's house. He had a—he has a big house out in Derbyshire. Um, so obviously I'm crapping me, You've seen Cluffy on, on the telly and all that. You just go, what's he going to say to me? So I go in his house and his, his wife Barbara's there and she. She gives us a drink and she starts chatting and Cluffy comes down and I'm not going to do his, his voice. Go I on, thanks. Go, go on, do man. it. Oh, go on. On. You've got go no on. chance, young man. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you, young man. <laughs> so he starts, um, <laughs> <laughs> he starts taking us around his, his house and showing us his trophies. And, and he takes us out in his, into his back garden where he's got a big tennis court. Um, and he's got hedges around the, the side of the tennis court. Um, so he pops into his shed and he gets these uh, um, hedge cutters out, not, not the, the electric ones, just the manual ones, where you just, you just obviously chop them. Um, so he goes, oh, I'm, I'm going out for an hour and a half, I want you to try and tidy these things up. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm, a, I'm meant to laugh for you, what is, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, I was only like 14 years old, and I'm thinking, are winding me up here? Anyway, he was, not he, he goes off for an hour and a half. And I'm, I'm stood in his back garden, cutting his. I have an attempt to, try to cut his bushes, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, I keep turning around. He's always going to come down back in a minute. And he does. It, I'm looking at my watch. It's like an hour and a half later. Anyhow, yeah, I've made absolute balls up with his bushes. I've got this whole <laughs> all over this thing. And I think, oh, he's going to slaughter me. yeah. And he, come, he comes back down an hour and a half. It might have been two hours later. He comes walking down his garden. He says, Oh, my God, I can't believe what you're doing to my bushes. It's going to cost me a fortune to get the gardener to come in and pay for this, all this lot. I was thinking, are you serious? I thought, oh, my God, you're <laughs> going to give us a clip of you like you did on the pitch that day. i um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, and, and all of a sudden, he started laughing. I thought, oh, thank God for that. Um Then he took us down the pub and bought us a pub lunch and just great after that. You know, like I say, I'm like, we from like, a, we don't, Get to see that sort of stuff, and I think, and this is like all surreal to me, like being a 14, 15, 15 year old lad. Uh, but he's great club. He sent us every England game I played, of England school boys, he sent us a telegram. Uh, everyone I played saying, Oh, uh, good luck tonight, Mark. Um, all the best, and all that, so, which, is, which is fantastic, really.
1: Um, well, you just think, I mean, you listen to some of the clubs that you're talking about there that want to sign you. I think that shows how good you were at that age, you know what I mean? You, you, you're not. You're not Going to Man United, Nottingham Forest, and all those other clubs, if you're not one of the best players in the yeah. country, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I, I was lucky, mate. I had a, quite a few, obviously, quite a few clubs, high profile clubs on the signs. But I went to Leeds, and um, they're just getting promoted, and it just, it just felt right. You know, when some, you go somewhere, and the, it was a really good family club, and Dick Bate was the, was the youth team coach there. Um, Dick was obviously best, died a couple of years ago, Dick, but he was, he was a fantastic man. Uh, yeah. Obviously, well known for coach education with the FA, but a really good coach. And, and like people say, he was way um, far out of his, his time in terms of what he did with us. And and, and watched video analysis and stuff. And this we talked and, talk and a long time ago, 28, years, 29 years ago. This um, it just felt right, mate. It just felt really, really good, really um, comfortable in that environment. And um, and I loved, I loved, I loved going down. I loved it. So. Sure. Um, because I got told at the time, and I've never even asked you about this,
1: it's because your dad got bought a Merc. That's what I was told. <laughs> People said that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where that came from. No, thinks it's, thinks safe for Leeds because his dad
2: got a Merc and it's <laughs> almost like, well, that must have been true. Fair. He got bought a car, but we got, offered, we got offered more money at other clubs, if I'm being honest with you. We could got you? offered a lot of money at, at, at different clubs. I mean, probably double what, what I could have got at Leeds, or what I did get at Leeds. But my dad... My dad, yeah, he got an Orion. Orion, because he, <laughs> I tell you, it story. wasn't a Merck. No, was no Merck, it was Merc. a oh, Orion for the Ryan. I got to see my dad driving about in the Merck, and then I was gear. going to knock him <laughs> by his green. No, I mean, no, the wheels, pinched him by his green. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you why we got a car, mate, because um, we went to, we got invited to the Sunderland game. Then obviously, Sunderland tried to sign us, so they invited us to a game. And my dad had this yellow Chevette, a yellow Chevette, honestly, it was the <laughs> worst car ever. But then. Um, but the windows wouldn't still so you know the wooden pegs that we used to have? yeah yeah we used to hold the windows up with wooden pegs so the windows wouldn't fall down <laughs> so when we went to something again went to the game and um, parked the car but she went to the game come back my dad said i can't find my keys i said oh you're joking dad so anyway we got back to the car um looking under the car kind of find He said oh there they are in um in the ignition i said oh thank god so oh, we want to get in <laughs> obviously me, you know me, me dad uh, he's, he's six foot four he's a big bloke yeah, so yeah. I know I know we're we getting so he starts shaking the car and the pegs start coming loose and the windows fall down <laughs> puts his hand in gets the keys out the ignition and we're in it's <laughs> unbelievable the windows just fell down the pegs come out so, so someone must have saw you and thought he needs a new car big yeah. one needs a new car <laughs> <laughs> and, the, right, and the, the Ryan had electric windows as well so we got it superb yeah, so, I, yeah, I chose Leeds, Mick, and I had a fantastic time there, um, especially the first two years. Um, so, tell us some of the players, things
1: that, like, we will know that you're in the youth team with some of the sort of players that you
2: did do two-year apprenticeship with before yeah. you went off into the first team. You're probably, obviously, Noel Whelan, Um Jamie Forrester, Kev Sharp, Mark Ford, there's, there's um, Kevin Daly, there's a... Who else was there? Um, Alex Byrne, lads who didn't really go on to there's obviously Sharpie and Jamie and Noel went on to, to good level of, of football. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, really good lads. And obviously we, when we won there for Youth Cup, my night had a fantastic individuals, um, a good team. But we had we had some obviously good players as well, but we had I don't know, it was just that real together pretty much what Ali when we when we were there. We had that real togetherness, that real determination that we no matter what happened, these two games at Old Trafford or Elland Road, we were going to come out winners, and that was, I think, I was instilled with Paul Art when yeah. Dick left. Paul Art coming into the club, it was your team manager, and Paul was a different, different type of coach to, to Dick. He was very uh, really demanding and but a really good coach on the field as well. Um, I learned a lot off, off Paul, and um, obviously Paul's with Nathan Jones now, and Paul's been at lots of clubs over the years, managed and, and coached. Um, but yeah, we, it was just a fantastic. Team effort, I think, that got us still there for a Youth Cup um, win. Um, but yeah, we had, obviously, sorry mate, go on. Go on, I was just going to say, so after, obviously,
1: you went, moved on to the first team, who was your manager and who were the sort of players as a young player in the Leeds team that you looked up to at the time?
2: Um, I, I was working with someone as a manager. Um, so obviously, we had, we had David Batty, Gary Speed, Gary McHarris, Gordon Stratton. now was there then. We had Lee Chapman, Brian Dean. Um, are you just need them dropping a year or the lads they're the lads in the first thing. <laughs> oh yeah the midfield was unbelievable. We had then the the gaffer board Steve Hodge and, and David Rocastle as well. Yeah, yeah. The so Rocky and Noggy come as well. So it was it was a really tough midfield to try and try and force you in. Um yeah, now obviously the first two years was, was fantastic. I couldn't ask for a better two years, Really, he obviously make me debut win there for your and winning the European championships with England was was fantastic time for me. Um first two years in terms of being a youth team player.
1: Amazing. So,
2: th- things, I've had a lot of messages
1: from the lads there, but you actually text me this one to mentioned it. Was this when Alex Ferguson tried to sign you? Because you tell me every time we go that he tried to sign you for 400 grand or something.
2: And so, you might as well get it in now. <laughs> Wait, I'll tell you come when you try- signed it. Come then. on, tell
1: us. Right tell us, us when what? I was
2: a kid, i tell you that, didn't I? But, yeah, after the FA Youth Cup, they offered, well, um, right, the chairman said they offered half a million for us. But they, t- they turned it down. And that, that's, that's all I have. Uh, Heard of that, I think. I think a few of those, I think Kev Sharp got offered um, a big club coming for Kev as well. So, you must have uh, told that story about half a million times, though. Yeah, I've got to tell that one, Mick. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you the one when I'm in Fergie's book, his first 10 year book as well. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, get... the first book Go he on. wrote 10 years, remember? like he's 10 years old. Of travel, he he gives us a mention in, in that. I'm not, I'm, I don't I think you know me better, but yeah, proud of that. You know, Fergie's one of the best managers ever ever been and you get a mention in his first book which is which is great really yeah Yeah it said uh, the best young player that I'm glad I never signed was Mark Tinkler <laughs> probably yeah I think he's over the moon ain't he? anyway touch a class by um, by Man um, United when I the following year in the, the August after won there for Youth cup and the following in August we played Man um, United at Old Trafford in a reserve game and that's when I broke my ankle and, um, but when I went home I had operation pins and um screws put in ankle and I went home and I got a big basket of fruit sent to the house from from um, from from the club from my United which which shows what a bit a bit of touch of class they were really you know and, and at that time and obviously under that manager um, so they, they were great, yeah, great times make, make it um it lays them two years then obviously I had a bad injury um come back from injury in and out of the team i would Howard it gets the sack um George comes in. I um, had a few runnings with, with George Graham. Um, but if, uh, I think you, there's a lot of blame culture goes about in, in with footballers at times, and especially this day and age. But at the time when I come back from my injury, my application, my attitude wasn't what it should have been, if I'm being honest. Um, I should have worked a lot harder to get as fit as I possibly could. I should have d- done a lot more um, extra training to get back to the to level I was at before I got injured. Um, did things that I shouldn't have done. Um, which is which is down to me. You know, no, nobody else. So, um, which was I look back and yeah, you you regret that that time. Which hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I spoke about exactly the same things a couple of weeks ago about looking back at your career and thinking. I just wish I'd, I'd pushed myself a little bit more at Middlesbrough. Obviously, you were at Leeds, and and sort of had the confidence I had later on in my career to to play with those players and and sort of believe that you you need to be there. And, and it's, it's hard, isn't it, when you're a young lad and, and, I mean, you're away from home as well, so that doesn't help that situation as well. And um, I totally understand when you look back, and you just you th- it's not a regret because you move on do other things, yeah. but it's a time of your career where you think, I just wish I'd done a little bit more, I like do yeah. a little bit more work or a little bit more sort of <laughs> behaving yourself off the pitch, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Just to try and to do everything you can to, to, to have that career at the highest level.
2: Yeah, I think that, that, that actual moment, on a, every now and then, when I when I broke my ankle and what happened, I went up there to come down, my foot foot got stuck in the ground, and my body kept on turning, and, I, and it snapped my ankle. And I, I was thinking, uh, if I hadn't have gone up for that if I hadn't been in that position, and it kind of sometimes goes in my head. But then you you look you look forward, and you think it, it doesn't matter what's happened. You, you you've got to you, you've got to do other things to get back to where you, where you were then. And, and it's down to you as as a person. I, I try and instill that in the in the in the young lads to do you can have as much talent as you want, but if you haven't got them fundamentals of um, hard work, discipline, dedication, having that drive and that commitment, you, you you've got no chance. So you might you might as well stay at home. And um, yeah. sometimes I'm, I, I, I'm, I've adapted as a coach over the last six or seven years in terms of how I, how I deal with young players. And um, but that, I'll never get away from from that. If people aren't working hard and doing what they should, then that's not acceptable in in, in my eyes by any by anywhere
0: that's that's really interesting and I, I, I picked that up while you were saying it. I suppose that tells you a lot about your character and, and what you're trying to pass on to the youth lads that you, you you basically said I look back and I regret my attitude after my injury you didn't say I look back and I think I wonder what could have happened if I didn't get injured it was all to do with what you could have done to affect what happened afterwards rather than feeling sorry for yourself about the injury that happened
2: yeah definitely I, I think um yeah, you've got to you've got to look forward. You've got you got to see where you can get to now. You've got an injury. You've had a setback. Then you you've got to work even harder to get get back to them levels. It's not just going to come back um, naturally, and, and you're going to be at that level because you, you've got to work extremely hard to be a to be a footballer and and dedicate yourself. And even though that's all I did for 18 years of my life was dedicate myself to football. That's all I did on a night when I was at school and I was at home play football. Then, um, but that it, it, it doesn't stop. You've got to do it until the end of your career and and keep doing everything you possibly can to either stay in the game or, or maintain them high levels that you had. And, I, and for a few years I didn't um, and, and that's down to me nobody else it's down to me and um, it comes It comes a point where you think if you don't start doing things right you're going to go out the game you're going to go back home you're going to get a job and you're going to stop doing something that you love because you're not you're doing the right things and that's when something triggered in my head and I got my head down and I managed to stay in the game for 17 years obviously not at, not at the Premier League level, but my aim as a as a young kid was to be a professional footballer, and I, I did that for seventeen years, and which which I'm happy about because so I've had some fantastic times and met some fantastic people. So, so
1: things obviously leaving Leeds. Just quickly run us through where you went after that before you got to Hartlepool, and then we'll talk about why you came to Hartlepool. So, where did you go from
2: Leeds? Um, I went to York. I went on loan to to York. I had a, obviously George game. Didn't didn't what at the club? Um, made us train with the goalkeepers was a couple of times on my own. <laughs> I was a Don't server for the, goalkeeper. the goalkeepers. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was a server for the goalkeepers for a couple of days. Um Yeah, I didn't mean George didn't say eye to eye at all. Like so, it was it was a strange situation. Anyway, he sent us on loan and I uh, went to York and I did pretty well there. And York made a bid and I wasn't going to get in under George, so I thought, yeah, I need to need to try and ignite me me really we'd started again and um, so York paid a bit of money bit of money for us now I, I went to York um, played pretty well at York and doing sorry, um, and it went well and obviously Alan got the sack, um, um, I' stayed there for two years I think then Alan got a job at South End so he signed us for South End and paid a bit of money for, to go to South End and went down there was it was a long way from home south then. Um, my mum wasn't happy about it at the time, travelling, going all the way down there. Of um, course, my daughter, Olivia, was just being born then, so I was travelling up from the from the game. But, but I, I enjoyed the, the the different type of scenery, meeting different people, going obviously going into London and um, a different environment, really, with, with um, different types of personality. Um, so, yes, yeah, I, I stayed there for a bit. Then David Webb, Alan got the sack there. He's getting a sack of a few places Well, <laughs> <laughs> He should stop signing
1: you, that's what he said.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, so David Webb took over. Webby he was a proper cockney blogger. Obviously, Webby played for Chelsea yeah, yeah. And, that and stuff. He was a bit of a hard nut. But I got along really well with, with David. He was spot on. He, um, he did a fans forum once and he said, if he kind of build a team south of them 25, there's something to matter. So the Northern lads thought, oh, we're not going to be much longer. <laughs> um, so but he played us he played us every every week and I got along really well with him and um put he, he got us into said, look we we my wages were quite high at the time down there and you, you need to get the the wages off, off the books really. Um so there was a few clubs came in wanting to sign us and obviously then um Chris phoned us and travelled up to Artley Pool to meet Chris and that's where the, the journey at Artley started really mate. Yeah <laughs> I can honestly, sorry Mark, I, I remember when I heard you were saying
1: for Hartlepool and, and we've had signings, uh, you think, oh, he's a good player in. But I can honestly say the, that was the most excited I've been when I heard you come back to Hartlepool because not only I knew we were getting a great footballer, but it was like, oh, he's my mate as well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it, I knew straight away it was always going to be a win-win. That You're going to come in, you're going to fit straight in, but you're going to improve us on on the pitch as
2: well. Ah, oh, cheers, man. That's, that's nice to... Yeah, um, so I came up and talking to talking to Chris and I just liked what he said really about where he was going to take the club and um, obviously the players he already had there, the players he, he was going to bring in and um, got a real good feeling about Chris, um, which turned out to be a, a great decision to, to come to Hartlepool, and um, and obviously it took off the way it did, which was just fantastic. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about um, Noel Whelan when he went down. <laughs> No, you know, no, you know, obviously you know Noel. Yeah, there. yeah. When he when he struck got the job at Coventry, got the manager's job, so they came in and made a bid for Noel. Um, to, I think he paid two million for Noel. So Noel, Noel was a proper Leeds fan. He loved, he loved Leeds. He, so he was a bit didn't know where he wanted to go, but he went and he signed. And a couple of weeks later, he said, "Oh, come back. We'll have a night out in Leeds." And um, <laughs> so I said, He's "Stay at mine." So he stayed at mine. We, we went out, and Noel was fully drunk. Come back to mine. <laughs> And he fell asleep. You, and you weren't? I wasn't <laughs> fell <the> <laughs> asleep. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't wake him up at all. So I, I, started, um, I started cutting his hair, like cutting chunks out of his hair. <laughs> and, and I shaved his, I shaved his eyebrows uh, Shaved his eyebrows off. And I knew he was going back to comedy on the Monday. Um, anyway, I, I was, on the morning I, I woke up and I, see, I heard him go to the bathroom. I started giggling to myself. Because there, there was a big mummy in my bathroom. And he must have been um, putting his hands still. He's there, and he must have been. Getting hair. He showed me F and off. <laughs> <laughs> and he must have seen. His and he must have seen his eyebrows, and he gone, "Oh my God, what's going on?" Honestly, i would laugh so much, and he went absolutely <laughs> mad. But he went back to comedy on the on the Monday and Strat went absolutely mad. And phoned Wilkinson at Leeds. We'll go get Got us all in. Absolutely hammered us. Absolutely hammered us. I think. I think a couple of weeks after that, um, Nolak start living with, with um, Gordon for a bit, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, see. So see, see, Mark, when I tell you that
1: after a few weeks especially, <laughs> this man is a pest. You, I've got, I've, honestly, I've got about seven or eight stories things that we need to cover. So I don't know
2: whether we will go straight in now or you want to talk football first and then we we'll do the stories at the end. Yeah, we'll talk football, mate. But no, by, by the way, Noah was crackers as well, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, going to the football, then just just going back to when you signed for Hartlepool, you mentioned it. And I think it's something we've talked about in previous podcasts with, with Daryl, with, with Chris Turner himself. Could you sense straight away when you got to the club that there was something building, you could see something, you know, was going to happen at Hartlepool United?
2: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, because of the, I think of the players we had there, um, obviously Mick and a few of the lads. Um, but I think, obviously, me Mick, Mick, there's a couple of like Westy, um, Richie, um, come from clubs, bigger clubs, and um, I got the sense that we all still wanted to achieve so much, you know, and, and this was a big opportunity for us to do that. Um, we obviously had some good young players coming through with, with Braco and, and Swains as well, um, and we had a good mix of, of, of different types of personalities, different types of players. Um, yeah, it, it definitely, it just felt. Yeah, i probably people think, oh, I just seen it, because it happened, but no, it, it, actually, that's what that's what I actually thought. And um, even that day, we talked about the day at Newcastle when we Beck scored that um, free kick and. Um, and we were bottom of the league. I think we played Russian on the Friday night. We bottom of the league. And I was just looking about, and the lads were, lads were all of us. wasn't just uh, seven or eight of us. There was a full squad out. And I thought, that we're not going to be there pretty much longer. And all of a sudden, we just, we just took off. And, um, and we, we did ever so well that season to, to get where we got to, really. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I could, you could sense something. Definitely, Mark, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I was actually talking to Tommy Wideriton the other week. And I was saying, I think that was when you and him played in midfield, that for me was an absolute dream because I could just give you either of you the ball and I knew that you would do the hard work for us. You would get that pass. I mean, your long passing was brilliant. Tommy always wanted to come and get it and, and either give it to you or give it to striker. And for the lads at the back, you, you and him playing along, I mean, Mark Robinson said it must have been the slowest midfield he's ever seen. <laughs> but... On I the was, ball,
2: I think that's quite harsh because um, my speed was quite deceptive. Actually, once I got done, <laughs> was it? Yes, I don't remember the speed you was doing pre season. I never remember you winning, <laughs> no, I never won.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, like the, the combination of you and Tommy because you'd both obviously been at bigger clubs for a higher level was, was so good for that team at the time.
2: Yeah, I think I think obviously Tommy with his experience really neat and tidy with the ball, got in good good positions, read the game really well and um allowed me to probably go a bit further forward with, with the ball and, and and try and dictate things higher up the pitch and um, with me passing and and stuff like that. Then we had obviously the, the legs of Swains come into the team and real energy and up and down and covered covered lots of lots of grass for us on, on um in the games. We had a really good blend, mate, a really good blend of um Different types of players, but they all seem to um, get together and just perform week in, week out, and, and win games and play some really good football along the way. And um, and once we we're on that run, I, I didn't think we were going to lose a game. I just thought we go in there as long as we, as long as you work as hard as you possibly can, as a, as a team and as an individual, we we are not going to lose a game here. Um, obviously, we did because situations, circumstances, a bit of luck. You're going to lose games every now and then. But yeah, it was it was fantastic team to play in
1: I mean we've spoken about this before things, and, and everyone has sort of mentioned it on the podcast about the togetherness of that team and I honestly believe those Tuesday afternoons where we used to spend in the new win in Durham and I mean we were talking about the deal like on our WhatsApp group with stories about that but that for me really cemented that group of players that it was right we're in this together and no matter what happens we can count on each other do you know what I mean? And that, that yeah. sort of bond that was built up from those early days and and going out together and if there was a, a scrape which you would normally start or whatever, it would, it, everyone was together and everyone was helping each other out and we took that onto the pitch as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, choose this, but I think I look at that when we used to go away in the season and um, pay a there was, used to see tables maybe three or four players or in my glove, three or four or five players but we used to have, um, on, a, on a Tuesday, we used to have like, a, like 10, 12, and we used to go to, to the PFA, do two tables, end of season, 16 players, which was, people, are, I don't think people realise, and we used to start all the, Richie start all the songs off down there, with these these them songs he used to do, and everybody used to get up and, and join in. It was just a real good yeah. together. Well, and, talking to the PFA, though, I've actually got a couple of
1: questions I'd like to ask a, a few of the lads have sent in today. Uh, Swain's once in all. Do you really think it was a good idea throwing candle wax on people's suits that had hired? Actually, Mickey, you ruined my <laughs> with candle wax. You absolutely ruined it. We're <laughs> in this posh, we're in this posh nightclub, weren't it had like a bar in the middle, and had these little tea lights all around. So I thought before things does it, I'll, I'll just start off. So I chuck some wax over his suit. So then he's like, turn around, who's done that? So he just starts. W- w- Chucking wax all over, and in the morning all the lads are waking up, and the
0: whole suits, and most of them got binned, didn't they? Mine got chucking. binned, yeah. But I remember that season when, when you talked about all the the, the, the the unbeaten run and everything like that that went with it. The year we actually got promoted, I think you got that, that unbelievable hat trick, didn't you, against Rex? And one of the best hat tricks I've seen.
2: Yeah, I still got the I've still got the ball mark. Yeah, it was uh, it was against um, Dibbs, and he Dibbs was in goal, wasn't he? Yeah.
0: Rexon, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I got some silly comments wrote on me ball. <laughs> oh, my god, ruined me ball! I was so excited. We scored my first hat, break, so I took it in the changing room afterwards. I get a lad's assignment, so I take it home. And I'm reading these signatures, and I'm thinking, calling me all sorts of words. I thought, oh no, you <laughs> <set of> dicks. <laughs> have you got it handy? I have a note down my dad's actually. Oh, he's down I- my dad's <laughs> um, yeah, but. Yeah, there was some strange words put on it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that was it. Fairly, they need to come back and got a leveler, didn't they? they I think they come one back. Three, I
0: think we won in the end, yeah.
2: Yeah, we're 4 1 and they come back. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I think Daz has headed the first one down, I've hit it. And um, I think Mark has switched in, set the second one up, pulled it across, and the third one just cut inside and bent it in. Yeah, it was a good, good. Yeah, it was. I love that, yeah. First hat trick I scored. Well, <laughs> I think I think you scored like quite a few goals for
1: us, things. Yeah. But I think someone today on Twitter, when we were saying that you're coming on, was like, "We've never replaced him in midfield. We've never replaced that ability to pass the ball like you good, and that was what you were renowned for, wasn't it? That long range passing, be switches of play, and, and was that something you always did, or was that something that got better as you got older, or was that just always in your game?
2: I think I was um, I was on. I was known as a Somewhere to get on the ball and try and dictate player with short and long passes, and I could it, yeah, I could it. Um, diagonal passes, um, but I, I did a lot of a lot of practice with that actually with it at Leeds as I, I went to Leeds. And um, watching Gary Mack play was probably one of the best I've seen. Um, and Jan Mobi, I played against Jan Moby in the reserves once, he was unbelievable, absolute passing was outstanding. And Gary Mack was one of the best as well, and just, just watching yep. him. And, Develop it from there, and yeah, just that was. But I, I liked um, getting up and down, trying to get up and down the pitch and get close to players and try and be aggressive with players as well. But yeah, I think being a ball player and midfielder was, was what I
0: was known for till um, throughout my career. I think yeah, that's that's spot on the fella on Twitter because I can't remember one a midfielder who was so like you. You know, you was likely to pop up on the edge of our box, winning the ball back and set us on the attack as you were. You know, scoring a goal at the other end of the field. I don't think we've had someone as box to box like that. You know, it covers so much ground of the pitch since then. It's uh, it's not something I can think of off the top of my head to be honest. No, I, I, um, I think it
2: allowed us to do that with the, with the players we had. I think in the, in the team and like I said, we had a good balance of different types of players. And yeah. uh, I think I, I took that on took that on board myself to go and really get on the ball and try and make things happen, but also get up and down the pitch and um, help players players around us so uh, I think the players are, are, are around us are, are their excellent attributes as well but allow me to, to dictate play with with the ball really you
0: mentioned I th- I think,
1: Sorry Mark I, I was just going to say thinking about that now Tings if you if you were a young player now I don't know whether you'd be allowed to do that do you know like to be a good defensively and then get up uh, would you Would in nowadays football you'll be told to sit in front of the back four and just play the balls and, and sort of take that attacking side out of your play or would you how would you deal with a young Mark Tinkner in your in your academy now?
2: Um, I know yeah I know what you're saying Mick I think um, I think a lot of teams generally play with with a holding midfielder somebody who sits in there um, trying to get on the ball try to di- di- dictate playing in certain area of the field either the middle third or the de- defensive third to get on the ball and doesn't yeah. allow them doesn't allow them to go fur, further forward higher up the pitch um, but I I found when young players come in, you still got to play with a two in midfield, so the, the distances between them are you kind of you kind of figure out where to be when we when, when they haven't got the ball. Should one of them go and get possession of the ball? Should one of them go forward? And I think as a as a midfielder, you've got to you've got to allow them to, to try and um, develop all all kinds of their ability because you, you don't know where they're going to end up. They might be an attacking midfielder. They might yeah. be a defensive midfielder um be good in possession of the ball so i think if, i'd allow I allow my players to go and um generally just to to go all over the pitch and try and uh, but not only not, not in the daft man you know what i mean they got to have a structure amongst it but don't don't hold them back and say you're going to play there i just want you to stay in that uh, defensive half of the pitch getting the ball no like going forward going Go and find spaces in between the lines. Go and see what you can do with, with the ball high up the pitch, and, and get on the ball and dictate play. Um, but it's got to be obviously done within within the structure. Um, but yeah, I know what you see. I think a lot of a lot of players struggle with the two because um, they've got no. They probably playing in youth team football or um, grassroots football where they generally play with a holding midfielder, and they've always yeah. got that backup behind them. So when they play with the two, they don't understand the positions to be to stop that ball going at the forward feet or being closer together, something like gaps going in between. So yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But I fair like I say I just go and go and play, go and express yourself. I'm not going to hold you back, but you've got to understand there's a structure um with your um individual um ability as well you know in and out of possession. Yeah I, I think what a lot
1: of people remember you for things is that ability and some of your goals that you scored but you were a physical player as well you liked the tackle you, you were strong you, you're big you're physically strong. And someone asked me today is when when you use that strength, one of the times I didn't remember was when Wilbraham and you came on as a sub. <laughs> Can you remember that game? And I'll never I'll never forget it because I think I was in the stand or I was watching. I definitely I don't think I was playing. And I just remember like sort of everyone going, What's happened? Like what's gone on there? Like why are these two subs coming on?
2: And now they're going off. <laughs> I think we appealed for mine. I did. I didn't grin it though because he couldn't see. Couldn't be marked. I don't think. I appealed to try uh, and get off it. Yeah, I know. But yeah, he couldn't see. Um, but I, yeah, obviously Wilburn was a big bloke, and there was a bit of few little bats with each other, and and the ref saying it. and I was. I think I was only on the minute. I think I didn't <laughs> even. The ball. I don't. Think. I, I, I don't even think the ball came back in. I, don't
1: I think when they made the sub, I, I didn't know whether you'd said something or something had happened as you were coming on. But I don't even think the ball got thrown back in before you two got sent off.
2: No, I don't think it did. I, 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 didn't, I don't think it did. <laughs> just the and I was thinking, what's it's two red cards. I said, I haven't touched the ball yet. I haven't done anything. <laughs> so, yeah, we both got sent off. It was a yeah, strange one, that. Um, but, yeah. What caused <laughs> it? I think it was, there was a tour and it, it, I think he elbowed us. And so I might have given him a, a dig in the in the ribs or something, and then there was a bit of a scuffle and and there was a red but it shouldn't have been a red card, I don't think. Um put the the refers card happy
0: that day and give us two reds. <laughs> Just going in, you know, that successful time that led to promotion and everything, and going into League One, it's it always fascinates me that we made that transition so seamlessly, you know, was there? ever any fear of going into League One thinking well this is a big step up we've got a brand new manager no one really knows anything about him was there any trepidation or, or thoughts that you might not be as successful in League One? I don't think so I think because we had
2: we had a lot of experience in the team um, by then obviously a mixture with youth with as well um, good people good personalities and uh, I think once you get that momentum You've got a chance of really developing what we had, and I think we we, we proved that over the, the two years in the, in League One, and we, we kept going and we, we kept showing that belief. Every yeah, we had we had disappointments and obviously results at times, um, but we always believed we, we had a great chance because of the the type of people we had in the in the team and in the squad and um, how we developed over them them previous couple of years, and it was just a good progression, and we obviously tried to keep developing. That and we we did for obviously for two seasons. Yeah, it was it was it was. Yeah, I think it was pretty. I wouldn't think I wouldn't. I was going into the game thinking, oh, these are a lot better than we played last season. No, because we we had some really good players in the team, you know, and players who come from a a higher level. Yeah, I
1: think I remember at the time, and and like you said, things. I don't think we're worried about anything. The the big difference for me was as a defender was the strikers. I thought the strikers in that next divisional. If you give them three chances, would score. Whereas in the division would just come from, they might need four or five chances to score. Mm-hmm. So I think that made us think, like, we really need to tighten up on our defence mm-hmm. because you get the strikers now who are maybe straight out of the championship and, and there were good players. And I think that was a difference for me. It wasn't we were worried about teams, but I think we just had to be a bit more wary of some of the strikers. And if we made a mistake, more times or not, it might lead to a goal.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, mate. I think I'm a bit more cautious in in terms of how we we attacked at times. Um, we didn't leave ourselves as exposed as we probably would have done um, in League Two. And in terms of if they won the ball back, we always had somebody covering round um, as a as a defensive midfielder. I think. Um, well, and the different different team shapes that we've come up against in League One, um, players dropping off into areas, into space, trying to find a
1: mm-hmm.
2: position in between the lines, like the turn and hurt us. That was that was. But I, I always felt confident every time I we went, went out on the field that we, we had a chance of winning the game. It um, doesn't matter who we, who we played. I thought we were going to have a good opportunity to, to win this football match because of the the players that we had in the in the team and the type of people we were, really.
0: Because we've asked, I suppose if we tallied up who's been mentioned the most in this podcast, second only to Mark Tinkler would be Neil Cooper. Yeah. What What are your sort of memories of playing under Neil, how much did you enjoy life under Neil Cooper at the Nick? Yeah it was great Coops. Um,
2: I know i um, I think I did me I did my angle at Leeds in a pre-season game so I missed the the Peterborough game. Um, the first game of the season which, yeah. which we won. But yeah Coops was great. He's has got a real enthusiasm um, um a real Drive and that commitment and real energy to, to the training and just fun and um, which probably has helped us go into games more relaxed and possibly somewhere else if if they were manager. Um, great bloke, um, love working for him. I had me run-ins with him like I did most managers, <laughs> um, but, he, but I always I always if I was wrong I always held me, me held me hand up and said I apologise, um, which I did. I know. I, that some of the lads have mentioned the Luton game when I because <laughs> um, I just come back from injury. and I, I played Chef Sheffield Wednesday in the cup, and I come off after twenty minutes. My ankle wasn't right, um, but the next game I started was Luton away, and I'm not sure when how many might have been a couple of weeks later. Anyway, second half I got brought off, and I was probably frustrated with myself not not being as good as I could have been and being injured. And there was a little big Luton bottles there, <laughs> so they got volleyed all over and. Um, and Scott is telling us to get in the he's saying, get in them change rooms. And now I'm telling him to F off and all that. <laughs> and I'm not gonna walk around from where the dugouts are out the change room because the fans are gonna give us loads of stick. Um so yeah, then again, the change is off the game. I think we we get beat, I think. Yeah, yeah. we did, yeah. yeah. It's your fault. Yeah, That's my fault. To happen, <laughs> Newton, <unfortunately. laughs> and Coos Hammers is like, he's in my right. face. I've got I've got um yeah. Spit dripping off me nose. And shouting but I he think that up. was
1: that was the first time we saw that side of him. Really though, wasn't yeah, it? And so, it was yeah.
2: like, oh, we haven't seen this before. Yeah. But he stood on me tour, and he had a, <laughs> I had a, I had a bruised tour. You know, when you stand on your tour, and you got a bruised tour, and it was killing us. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my head. I'm thinking, nearly going to have to get off my tour because I'm not. To to <laughs> because it was absolutely killing us. Anyway, after he's. After I wiped, he eventually got off my toe and I wiped all the spit off my and stuff. <laughs> 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 But the next year, we, we were in training. The next day, and I, I went up the, to the gaffer. I said, "Look, at, um, gaffer, I'm, I apologise. I was out of order. I'm just frustrated at the time and injuries and stuff." He, he said, "Yeah, no problem." I said, "Fine." And that was it. You know, he, yeah, you all stand up if you make a mistake, and you go and apologise. And cooks was like that. He was like a, a type of broke, Oh yeah, money? We all. You know, football, like right? hate the moment stuff. You, you get so involved with the situation, um, and you lose your mind because it's a passionate game, and you love the game, and you want to do well, and you you're that enthusiastic to do well. And when things don't go well, you you you, you kind of lose the pot a little bit. Um, but Ned yeah, Coops was Koops was great. And, uh, I think
1: Tink's, I think it's a sort of thing. He would have done. Like, I didn't know him as a player, but I imagine Coops doing something very similar. Yeah, in his career, you know, because they say he's passionate. He's, he's got that desire to win. And that frustration as well at times. And you can imagine, as we got to know him more, him doing something like that in his career. And But again, him going in saying, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it, and moving on. And, and that's what that's what's important. I think anyone can have those little incidents, and I've had them myself, where you're, you're that angry or you're that pissed off that you're being left out and you don't behave properly and you think... I remember doing it to, to Scotty once when he left me out and he, he actually played Darren Cradd's. And it was nothing against crads, but it was just the way it happened. And, and for the rest of the training, I didn't, I didn't try one little bit in training. I was like a teenager warming around. Yeah. And I lived at Chester Street at the time. When were in cheshire Street. I drove home and I was fuming. And the next day he came and he was like, do we need to have a word? And I was like, no, I don't need to speak to you. And he was like, you've got a big part to play today. And I was like, I'm all right now. It was just in that moment. Yeah. It was like I couldn't clear my head. And it was, it was nothing against crads. It was just I couldn't understand what had happened and, and I, I, I should have just gone home there and then really I shouldn't even bother training because the rest of the training was a nightmare for us but the next day I'm ready to go and I'm ready to encourage lads as much as you can when you sub do you know what yeah. I mean but we all have those moments when it's yeah, like
2: exactly because it just shows you care Mick you know you want to play that much it hurts when, you, when you're when you not selected for the team and you think you're doing good enough to be selected and there's no reason why you shouldn't be but it does hurt it doesn't matter how old you get, you get. and um, I remember that time I, I wasn't playing at I think I played the Swansea game at home. I did did pretty well and I think Bristol City. I was in the team. We did like um session on the Friday. <laughs> and I was like, you made a big big beer. because I knew I think Philly was Philly Turner was playing, I think. He he got he was playing instead of us, Philly or Stephen. Still don't I still don't know which is which, I didn't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> <Nobody> does.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Scotty I am messing up, and Scotty sends us in. Anyway, you tell me telling each other that, whatever, on the on the chain on the of field and I'll tell you exactly what you said. You walked away things, you went, get fucked off. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to the changing rooms, and the changing room doors were locked, and Scotty had the keys in his pocket. I had to sit on the steps. <laughs> I, had on the steps. <laughs> I had to sit on the steps, we were the lads to come back, the lads oh. were locked up because I was sat on the steps. I couldn't yeah, because I remember we were training at Hoffel at the time, and you had to lock the door,
1: and then whoever it was, either the manager, or the coach, yeah. get the key, or you put it in the bag. So we seen Tigg storming off, and we were like, "Oh, you'll not be there when we get back. You'll have got showered, and you'll like, you be off home." And
2: he was just sitting on the step like a naughty kid. Oh, I couldn't believe it when he was all starting to walk and back. I was trying to find the the cleaner to open the door, and I couldn't find her. I thought, "Oh God, I'm gonna get some sticky on these." Guys but I went in. I went in to the coach's room and apologized. I put Agus and um, Scotty when I said, look, I, I apologise. I, I want to play like everybody else. And uh, apologise for my me, me, um, behaviour on, on the field. And, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I, I think I, I remember it was at Hoffel as well. It was when Coops and, and
1: Scotty when They were they were absolutely buzzing off each other. And I, they were sort of thick as thieves, you know what I mean? They were joking yeah. and laughing around. And I think it was before training, Scotty came knocking the door. And uh, Mickey Gaffer wants to see you. So I'm like, right, I'll be two minutes. I was probably getting changed now. So I walked in, I'm knocking you. There was the biggest smell of shit in this <laughs> staff change room you've ever smelt in your life. And Coops and Scotty were just laughing their heads off. And I was like, what do you want? They were like, nothing. We just thought it'd be funny if you smelt the shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like, so I was like, really? Is that that's it? And I was like, yeah, you can go now. And I was like, all right. So I went back to the change room. And all, all the lads were like, what's happening, Mickey? I was like. Nothing. Coops just had a shit. The
0: secret of the <laughs> success at Hartlepool <laughs>
2: United. <three Yeah>. <laughs> You've all got to go in that change room before we play. <laughs> yeah, but it was just—it was at the time I remember.
1: Like you, sh- you have to walk through the change room, was not it? You had to walk yeah. to get to the physio room. You had to walk. It was a tiny little change room. Mm-hmm. And often Coops on a morning would come walking in. He'd go straight in the physio room, be in there for a couple of minutes, and come walking back out. And it was like getting more and more on this, and we were like, "What's he doing? What's he going in there for?" So probably it was Musa or whoever at the time. I was like, "Musa, what's he doing?" He was like, oh, he comes in every morning for an out of seltzer because <laughs> <laughs> he'd been after the night before." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's but, great. I mean, he used to he used to love the night out, Coop's, and he used to love it if we'd been out. He used to love listening to the stories and and Christmas parties and everything like that. It was just he was in his element when he had that audience and. I remember the, the Christmas party tinks at Seaton Carew where you
2: played a little prank on him. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I in the stinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't think you ever found it, did he? No, he didn't. But well, come on, take, <laughs> tell us tell us a story and then we can have a laugh about it. Oh we had um we had to see what we wanted, didn't we? It was um it was steak or, or sea bass or um I can't remember what the other thing was. So we had our yeah, <laughs> um our food and that and obviously the bass. I like a, the head and all the this the bones and that were left with a head. Um yeah, so I decided to put it in Coose's pocket. <laughs> 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 but it was it was in his big leather jacket. He used to always wear a big jacket leather jacket, jacket the, boy, in, yeah. he, in his tombstone jacket, he had on that um, <laughs> big leather thing he used to wear. <laughs> I don't know whether he ever got it out that night. It might be still. It might have been in his pocket for about a few weeks. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was a big, big fish head with the, the the bones and the tail on it. It was a big but fish. We, yeah,
1: we, we all knew about it, and he was doing this speech, funny, and he was stood up and We could.
2: tail went out of his
1: pocket. <laughs> he's got a fish in his pocket. <laughs> he
2: did, yeah. oh, and honestly. He, and he's doing his Christmas speech. That was it. Like, yeah. There's was nothing more said about it then. No, he must have he must have thought he, obviously we had a few drinks and when he got home he must have thought, Oh, I must have been saving that for later for <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey,
1: But he, he to be honest, he loved a joke. I remember once he came in on, on a Monday morning and he was he was a bit angry and he got the lads together and he was like, lads, you know, I like a joke, this that and the other, but that's out of order. Totally out of order what you have done to me. So we we're all looking around thinking. We didn't really know anyone, like no one had said anything, but anyway, he said, I got home and I give me kick bag of me, mum a wash. Said she's opening it up and someone's put a porno underneath the pot, you know, <laughs> where the boots are. So he said, She's, said she's opened it up, going to take my boots out and dry them off. And there's this magazine scattered everywhere. He said, I'm not having it. I'm not having it, lads. It's too far. <laughs> uh,
2: brilliant. He was, he was classical. So I, I miss him. I had a great time the last time we seen him at, um, at the reunion, reunion. Yeah, really good. And I'm um, just, so, just so sad that the way it ended, really, with him. Um but yeah he's a fantastic man.
0: Looking on to the next season then, after after the, the Cardiff experience and coming so close to the championship under you know, under that you know cloud of what happened at, at the Millennium Stadium, what happened in 2005 6 Why did it just not go for us? Um
2: I think it had something to do with the previous season, if I'm being honest. I think um the back end of the season, obviously with, things happened with Neil and Things were going on at the, at the training ground. That's, that didn't didn't really sit well with me looking back. Um,
1: there was a lot of rumours at the time. Things wasn't there was a uh, sort of rumours going around of what was happening and and the relationship between Scotty and Coops yeah, had broken down. And we, it.
2: we 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 could see it, Mick, though, couldn't we? we could yeah, see, you could. See. Yeah, we weren't we weren't standing next to each other. Um, Scotty was walking off into the into the corner of Hoffa, which. That that's, that's not right, you know. They the the partnership. We're trying to get a promotion, and they should be together and organising us, and and having that um, that togetherness that that we that we were used to. That we would build it over four or five years, which it, it's not easy to build it was at a football club. That that momentum, that togetherness, and it takes a long time, long time to do it. And I just felt it was it was kind of falling away. Um, I heard the chairman speak last week and saying that Martin had gone up and told told the chairman what was going on and the chairman didn't have an investigation but I don't know i I, I never seen the, the chairman or any of the directors down the, down the training field I don't think they, I never got spoke to about anything I don't think any of the senior lads did did they I don't think no. Um, no. asked us about, about anything So, but the chairman said he did an investigation into what was going on um, and I think we lost what we had um, which was which is a shame and inside because we, we built something really good and I thought if we kept that in the third season, we had a real opportunity to go and push again, um, and it just kind of wilted away. The we lost what we were about as a as a as a squad and as a team, and the values that we had the previous four or five years that we built up, and I I I, I think it, it got caused by the previous previous season, what was going on at, at the at the time in at the, the training ground in, in the club around around Neil, and I I, I was. Listen to, to you talk about the the Sheffield Wednesday game, and then when Neil come into to the changing room, and I find that unbelievable. That they, if they knew that Neil was going to come in there, the state and distress he was in as a person, and what yeah. he was going through as a man, they allowed that that allowed him to make a, a speech like that an hour before kickoff in front of the front of the players. I well, think I can't get that, that.
1: If that was me and you, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would I would class you as one of my best friends, and I knew. That's how you feel. I wouldn't have let you get on that bus. No. I would have. I would have for yourself because it's not fair to put you in that situation. But then for the team as well, it it's it, it threw us so left field that that like hour before the game that you couldn't concentrate. But more as like a, I need to look after my friend before football, yeah. exactly. and I would expect you to do the same for me as as I would do any of our other. Friends, that you put the person first, and, and it almost was like you said, it, it's unbelievable looking back that it actually happened.
2: Yeah, and I, I was talking to somebody today about the um, values of, of people and, and players and and staff and that. And for me, you say, mate, if, if I was your chairman, or I'd tell you, if I was your chairman and you were managing and I knew the situation you were going through as a person, and, and um, I, was, I once you were struggling with, with life and what was going on, or if I was a coach or assistant manager but more importantly, a mate, I would say, no, we'll talk about it on Monday. We'll, we'll reassess it Monday. Um, but I'll take the team and We'll just say, you know not really well, or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I thought, and Neil didn't just walk out of the change room then. He went and sat down. He went and sat down for, for a little while on, on one of the seats in the change room. And and like you said... We, he, he, he didn't know what to do with himself, no, did he? he, he didn't, didn't. He didn't know he didn't, where to go next. But he shouldn't <laughs> have been put in that situation. And he was sitting there, and we are trying to... A big game against Sheffield Wednesday, and I'm looking over. I'm thinking, God, I, I feel so sad for the situation that, that he's put himself in. But to allow him to go and do that, I thought that's that's absolutely disgraceful from, from my point of view. And I, and I think, by all accounts, it got back to the directors' lounge, um, directors' lounge at Sheffield Wednesday, where the the all the chairman them go. Within five minutes, because um, when I went out in the corridor, I seen people. Discussing it and went back into the to the room and I, th- now nah, that that's not right by by a long way and to put him in that situation was was so wrong and um, it, it was tough watching him go through it, really really tough and really really sad to to allow somebody, um, allow let them to put himself in that situation which was which was sad and I go back to the following season you look at people's um, values as, as people and. and and what? Why would you do something like I don't know? I don't know. Allowed? I don't know. We knew what he's going to do. It, I'm not sure, but I'm sure with some people knew, and they could have stopped it. Um, yeah, but, I think. I mean, we've
1: spoken about it, things me and you, and we've spoken about on on the podcast as well. That the next season, the atmosphere around the place was it was different. You know what I mean? There was a lot of sort of uncertainty, a lot of and it was almost like an untrust with, within yeah. the the group within. So staff members, staff were talking and, and saying things about the, the other coaches, and and it just was difficult to just concentrate on football because there always seemed to be something a fallout with a player, someone else coming in, another fallout with a player, a member of staff wasn't happy, and, and it just didn't something wasn't right, and you could yeah. tell that it was going to be a difficult season.
2: Yeah, and I, I take it back to the to the season to the season previous. That's what I, that's what it, it's down to me. Um, what went on and uh, moving forward, we lost. We lost what we were about as a as a as a squad and as a team. And I used to travel in with with Gordon Ellis, obviously Martin brought Gordon in the physio, um, and they were kind of loggerheads more stairs. I used to pick Gordon up about injuries and all that sort of stuff. There was no there was no real continuity there, you know, and um, no togetherness that we had, but that we that we worked hard to build up over four or five years, and it was it was a real shame that that year and what what happened and what went on and. But yeah, it was just a sad situation. But to, but to allow Neil to, to put him in that situation, I thought was so wrong.
1: Yeah, I think we've spoke about in previous podcasts about the, the change of and what happened then and and obviously we don't need to cover that again. But I think there was a lot of rumours at the time and a lot of speculation about what was going to happen. And I know you were involved in in sort of an issue that was... Whether it was set up or not, we'll never know to this day. But it was such a coincidence that it happened, and the weird happened, and it's it, it put you in a really difficult situation with another couple of our players that were out the, in Durham on that night, didn't it?
2: Yeah, we we played, um rather than away and we got a good point. I think Steve was taking the team. I think we got. I think it was not yeah. ended, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, I think I played. Set, I think me and Clark, he played centre half, actually. Um, yeah, we come back to Durham. We said, oh, we, we'll have a, go out for a few beers if anybody finds you. So. So, Gordon, Gordon came out, Gordon Ellis. So, I don't know, obviously, Martin obviously had issues with Gordon, whether he had an issue with him staying because Martin had left the club or what. Um, but, yeah, we got into dulham and we were in the, the boathouse down, down near the river and we were upstairs and somebody caught and said, oh, um, Scotty and Agus and um, Boris downstairs with the missus. Or I don't know, they? I thought they were going somewhere else. I thought they were meant to be going somewhere else. Um, but anyway, apparently um, they, they hadn't been. They would, I don't know, like like you said, Mick. You, you can't really can't really tell what, what what went through there, what they were what they were actually doing there. because I didn't think they were going to be there, that somebody said they were going somewhere else. Um, but then um, Scotty's Scotty's wife come up and starts having a go at Gordon, Gordon Ellis, in, um, in front of everyone. So we think, oh my God, what's going on here? Um, so there's a few of the lads out in, in Buster and Garden, so I'm. I was thinking, oh, we'll, we'll have a drink and we'll go. We kind of we don't know bother because we, we've, we've got enough going on in, in the position we're in at the football club in terms of our position in the league. We just just want to have a few drinks and, um, so we'll have a drink and we'll go somewhere else. So as we're walking downstairs, we're walking past this little, um, like cubicle bit, where and obviously Scotty was in there with other, his wife and the other lot and somebody. Shout some at Gordon, and Gordon's Andy Bro. Gordon look after himself. Gordon's he's no he's no mug. Gordon um, and Gordon reacts to it, and he turns and he he starts walking over to them. And I thought, oh, going after get all of me. So a few lads get go all the garden, and then um, Ballie comes out of nowhere and starts having to go at Buster, and Buster's, Buster can handle his cell as well. Buster's not. <laughs> <Kevin>
0: ball, <laughs> Buster
2: yeah, look after, after himself. Yeah, yeah, What's Kevin that? Ball, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking. So I'm, I just don't want any any bother. So I'm kind of the, the senior, I think the senior poor there who was out that night. So I'm trying to get all the, the busting, trying to get the lads out. It. Anyway, some of that happens is that, I don't know whether that somebody, one uh, of them wants clip, clip one of the lads or clip Gordon. I can't really remember to be honest with you. But then there's a bit of a, a scuffle and somehow I end up on the floor with Barley. Oh my God. <laughs> that was <London> something <laughs> fun. I used, I used to go and watch Barley every week when I was a kid. I think, oh, my God. Anyway, we had a bit, there was a, no, no, like, fisticuffs, anything, it was just a bit of a scuffle. And I was thinking, God, I do i, used to, I don't to support you, boy. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so, anyway, it all the bounces come over and it, get, it gets calmed down. Um, and then we, we get um, chucked out. But I think it, it all came back to Gordon and Martin. I don't know whether Martin had an issue with Gordon and Gordon had an issue with and situation. We, we got caught up in it and... Um, yeah, yeah, because Gordon Gordon was close to the lads, wasn't he? Gordon fitted yeah, in
1: with the lads, and the lads trusted him and and spoke to him a lot. And I mean, I would I would go and meet Gordon for a coffee, and and I, I like you said, Tiggs, I don't know what the issue between the two of them were. I don't know whether Scotty wanted Gordon to resign when he left, or but there was. but well, I remember coming in, and it just. I remember like Maureen ringing everyone, trying to get stories and statements and this that, and the other, and it was just another thing at the time mm-hmm. where another bad thing that happened in that season where it was yeah. a, a real negative thing.
2: Because we went to play, we went to paintballing, didn't we? Yeah. One day after, I think it was I don't know it was that that, that week afterwards, uh, and Gordon got the phone call saying he had to go back to the to the ground, and then he got the, the lead of his duties, didn't he? Yeah. Because so I remember
1: uh, Terry uh, Terry Mitchell went paintballing with us. And uh, I and oh, yeah, Stephen. Yeah. yeah. And so we'd splitting the teams and Terry was taking a, like you would have thought he was in a war, proper war zone. <laughs> Terry was he was up, oh under, like he was he was ducking down, he was
2: crawling along on yeah, his, He was hiding Terry. He,
1: he was <laughs> So anyway, I'm I'm on tinks's team. So every now and again, like Tinks is at the back, then there's me, and then there's a few of our lads in front. So one of our lads would stand up and take a shot at someone and again. Boom, on the back of the head with a pin or on, on the back of the back so they turn around looking at me and i'm like it's nothing to do with me and then tinks is like laid down again and he just kept firing having pot shots at all our people but he just kept hiding every time they turn around so they all looked at me thinking oh mickey's firing at me eh? and it was causing absolute havoc i'll never forget it Tinks. you want a havoc that you caused that to you
2: that was brilliant i remember
0: that <laughs> i'll tell you one of my biggest memories from the relegation season when when I, I don't know if you remember this as clearly as I do, Tiggs, but there was one game where you came and, um, and did the commentary with me. And it was at the point when Scotty was under a bit of pressure and a, and a supporter came up with a press box with a... Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah. He was proper shouting and swearing and, and really giving me a load of abuse, you fat mackerel. Yeah, he was, yeah, and I remember that, yeah. And, and, and I remember, the, do you know what the ironic thing is? He actually, the following season when we got promoted, He came up to me at the Player of the Year do and apologised. He said, I'm really sorry for my behaviour. And I know for a fact, he's like one of the biggest i uh, fans of this podcast right now. <laughs> he? the time, <laughs> Good luck, good ups, line. Yeah, good line. He gave me absolute dog's abuse, right? And I'm trying to <laughs> commentate. So he's... Rightly sourced him or rightly <laughs> him. Yeah, He's, he's <laughs> going, get the fucking, get Scotty such you fat man. And then I'm going, and the ball's down the wing. And I look across at Tink's next to us and he's just going... <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: remember that, mate, yeah. He wasn't happy, man, was he? He <laughs> wasn't happy... I, i tell you something similar.
1: When I was, I was at Middlesbrough, I remember we were playing Harrison Park and Lenny Lawrence was a manager and he was under severe pressure. I mean, crowds were like seven or eight thousand. And he said, come on, Mickey, I'm going to bring you on. I'll never get well. I think we'll play Bristol City. And some guy jumped out of the stand at the far side and he's coming over the pitch, just jogging over the pitch. I'm thinking, he's going to punch Lenny here. He's going to have him. So I'm thinking, it's all right. There's going to be a steward or a, a policeman Intercepts him so he gets like over halfway, and I'm thinking he's definitely going to have Lenny here. So, as he's coming, Lenny sort of grabs all of me and pushes me in front of Lenny a little bit. I'm thinking he's going to hit me now. So, I was trying to get me... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, this guy, he was he was adamant, he was he got tackled by a steward in the end, but um, <laughs> similar to you, Mark, he was just so angry with the manager, he just wanted to, to get all of them. <laughs>
0: <Brilliant. laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean obviously after the after relegation, like, you, you were around obviously for the, the six-seven season things. I don't think you played a lot of games that year, did you? But the way no. that the club bounced back was, was superb, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, obviously they got they got Danny in it, was obviously a top manager. Um yeah, I think I played the first game against Swindon. Um, but in that, that July, me my mum got diagnosed with a brain tumour. So um Obviously, it was a cancer was being shown. It was it was inoperable. So she was up with James Cook. So every after every training session, I was going up with James Cook and then coming to train the next day and so So that was um, that was a pretty tough time for me. I was I was injured as well and I wasn't in the team. But Danny was great. Danny said, "Oh, just take as much time as you want. Don't don't worry about things." But I think coming to coming to work was kind of kind of a release for that because seeing what my mum was going through on on a daily basis was, was was really tough at the time. Um, she kind of lost all of her, everything pretty early because it was it was that deep in her brain, and she she lost her speech, and, a, and you couldn't walk, and um, yeah, and the hearing was gone, and a bit of an eyesight. So it was a, a gradual um, decline really, and she she died on on, on Boxing Day that, that year. So that was that was a, a tough year, and obviously um, getting let go at the end of the season. Um, that was it was a really Tough time. I think we've spoke about things before. I never really spoke to the lads about the situation. I, I kind of, I'm kind of a deep person. I don't really open up that much. I've got, I've got better as, as years have gone on. But at the time, I didn't, I didn't speak to the lads about, about it that much. Um, I mean, it's, it's only
1: till you look back things so that you realise how tough a time it is. You know what I mean? We obviously knew that your mum was ill, but you look back and you think. Could we have done more to help you at the time? But like you say, you're not the type of person that's going to look for sympathy or openly come in and talk about it. You know what I mean, it's just not the way you are. And you, As you say, you're a private person. But you look back now and you think, could we have helped you more? Could there have been something that we could have done as a group of players just to, to try and make that time a little bit easier for you?
2: I think the thing is, I come to training, it's kind of a, a release from the... From the reality yeah. of what's going on with my mum at the hospital, so I come train and I just like like the obviously the crap of the lads even when I was injured, I just just taking my mind away from that situation. So that's probably why I didn't I didn't talk about it. And um, obviously no, I, I, you you can only do stuff for people if they want to talk about stuff and help. Yeah, them. of course. And, so no, that was like I say, that, that was me and just find that release from from the reality of the situation really. But Danny Danny did a great job. Um, fantastic um great bloke I loved even I didn't play many games I? but I love working for him and watching the way he worked because he was quite hands-on and um he's one of the few coaches throughout the um with Atleto who actually got on who did lots of shape and stuff like that didn't he make use? yeah he did he was and big and- in it with- yeah, we have done lots of shape and different scenarios for for games and stuff, and I enjoyed watching him watching him work really. So Danny did a did a fantastic job, and the lads the lads were super. I came down to Wickham. Mm-hmm. I was in the squad for Wickham. I wasn't on the bench, but I, I came down, and um, it was great great to see lads get get promoted and and get back up to up, up to the to League One. Really, it was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was it was that was obviously leaving at the end of the season and. Um, and going up to Livingston um, with with Proc, Mark Proc, took, uh, took us up there. But um, it, was, it was yeah, them, them few years were tougher, as I'm being honest. It, I found it really difficult. I was up there on my own and in a flat, and they obviously tried to deal with losing my mum and leaving Hartlepool. Then after Livingston, I left Livingston because I had um, like my calves and my Achilles were about about gone. But but story up there, I think it was my third game. We're playing St. Johnson, and we had this big Polish goalkeeper, about six foot seven. Honestly, in that um playing St. Johnson away. So I went in for a, the balls coming across, I was playing centre-half at the time, so the balls coming across. So I went in with it to slide and intercept the balls to top of the centre-forward coming up. So he comes flying out with his knees. Honestly, it's was in the ribs. And I thought, I, honestly, I thought I was dying. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't actually breathe. And the, the physios around us, I, I couldn't like actually see that kind of breathe. I just couldn't get anything out. I thought, I'm, I'm dying, here. This big, stupid <laughs> pole's cleaned us out, here. And I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I get taken off and um, I get, uh, I, there's, you find like a, a shadow over my lungs. So I get rushed to um, Edinburgh Hospital. Anyway, it, was, it wasn't, it wasn't um, as bad, but I broke, broke a couple of ribs. Um, but yeah, the big Polish goalkeeper, God, he was some unit and he cleaned his right out. Absolutely, I was in agony for for weeks. I had to come home. So Thanks, take, taking you back to when you left
1: Hartlepool, and I might be, I might not be remembering this rightly, though. But did you come walking into the training ground with a life size cutout of yourself?
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I know. I got it in the bedroom. Was gave was it didn't he? Can you remember? Was it was oh. it down the ground? Yeah. Was said, oh, I've got your leaving present. So you brought the bloody the big, all the, the pictures they got in at at the, the club boxes. yeah yeah you yeah. have got he, he fetches that i have sick where am i gonna put that you know what i mean where did you put it it's upstairs under my bed <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what to do with it no because i just i just Is remember the one, 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 one of the lad one of the lads sign to it, it we'll give it away yeah they can have it so they can sign it then somebody can raffle off for a charity or something yeah, because one of the lads was like, hey, Is tink's coming in the training ground? In fact, there's two
1: tinklers come, and one of the lads at the time was like, Bloody hell, one tinkler's bad enough, we don't need another
2: one. <laughs> no, I was walking out with it, I was going to put it in my oh, car. That's
1: right, you're walking
2: out with it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was, um, yeah, but uh, obviously, I went up with Scotland, I was obviously injured quite a bit, and um, and that was really it. And then, obviously, Dave, like I say, it was a tough, tough few years, and you go through when you've when you finish, you you lose obviously losing mum and then losing football, which is two of the biggest things apart from your kids in in your life really. You, you just and they've gone and you kind of get them back and you're going through all sorts of emotions and um, yeah, it was it was a tough few years. Um, but yeah, I come back and I, I got a job at, at Middlesbrough. And obviously, worked at Hartlepool College. I did um, a teaching certificate. Got a job with working with Ian Clark and coaching the the lads and the and the girls there for a little bit. Um, but also got a. We made you no know, Philip Brumwell. He was manager of a of a residential home in, in Darlington um, for kids with behavioral problems and family breakdown. And it was sorry, um, I'm not laughing because I'm just laughing at a story that you can and you can tell after this. Go on. <laughs> so I, I was I went to that home and obviously coming from a football bubble and going into that that type of environment where I was getting spat at, I was getting smacked, I was getting hit with damn um, sticks and. They were trying to burn the house down and all that sort of stuff. And what you're thinking, God, and, and, and you read the reports of what they come from and the environment where they come from, like drug abuse from the parents and alcoholism and um, sexual abuse. And you're thinking, these poor poor kids, you know what, they, what they've been through. And it, it opened my eyes a bit and tell, look, we've been playing football and doing what I've did and traveled the world and, and seen the world through playing football, really. And um, how fortunate you actually are until you. Until you go in these situations, you see these, these kids. Things
1: tell about the story when you took them away for the Oh male, take- I knew you were gonna see them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have took them away. It was only my second day. <laughs> I took um yeah, there was I can't, was it Liam and Beth, I think. So none of the none of the staff wanted to take them down the leads, Christmas shopping. So I said, oh, me, gullible. I said, Oh, I know, I know Leeds, yeah, I'll, I'll take them down. Um so the, Tracy, who was the manager at the time, said, oh, I he really said, oh, you just take them, let them go off for a couple of hours, make sure they bring the receipts because they give them some money. And I said, All right. anyway, I let them go off for a couple of hours, phoned them, no answer. Um, I, said, I'm, I said, I'll meet you in this coffee shop. Um, never returned, phoned Tracy. This was like three o'clock, five o'clock comes, phone Tracy. Not silly, Tracy. Um, <laughs> what do you want us to do? <laughs> I said, oh, I can't believe this. We first ship away with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I, travel, I said, oh, you just have to come home. So they go missing. So they the like, AW absent without authority. So they, the police are looking for them all over the, all over the North, North Yorkshire and South Yorkshire. I'm thinking, oh, my God. Um, so they, they go missing for, I think, for two days. I, I didn't know what to do, you know. I, I was like, "Oh my God, are they are they okay? Are they hurt? Are they? But no, I just went to some one of the mates' house and just turned the phones off and stayed there. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe it. I, first chip away, after, and they, they, they do one on us. <laughs> That's why the other staff didn't want to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they <laughs> exactly. They'd have to fill out all the reports for the place. <laughs> if if only
1: you had hadn't signed for Leeds things you wouldn't have bought. You wouldn't have been. Yeah, exactly. That, goes, huh? <laughs> that big that big murk that Ron got it. No, the right Brilliant. Right, there's a couple of stories, Tiggs, that I want you to go over. We always finish with like ten quick questions, like quick fire questions. These are come from the lads. You've probably seen a couple of them anyway. John Braxton wants to know: Do you really think, looking back now, it was a good idea? to try and throw a Mattress out of a window of a 5th floor balcony in Magaluf.
2: No. <laughs> I, was, I was still upset that we got beat off Bristol City in the semi-final. And I've seen some Bristol City fans down below. <laughs> um, but I, Is that I didn't, really I didn't, the reason? I couldn't get out. There was these City fans singing out the window. <laughs> yeah,
1: because uh, as he threw it, Brackett told us, this, as he threw it, he went, fucking Bristol. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't get it out though. I was, <laughs> I was doing it, I'm pulling back in, yeah, I thought, I can't do that. will <laughs> Things I'll never get, we were, we were
1: out in Magalufa, we are staying in that salt Trinidad hotel, and we are come back, and we, we always had like, you get your dinner, sort of, like your tea, so you yeah. get your tea, if you want your tea, sometimes we didn't, sometimes we did So me and things, would come back, off cut. Tings is like, oh, we'll get some dinner, we'll have a couple of beers, we we'll having dinner and we'll go back out. So you're in there and you've you met someone from like bishops or somewhere, so you started right. talking to them. And there was a couple of couple of like three or four people from bishops. So we all know like I'm the bit chat, I'm like, Tings how we're gonna go. And as we walk walking out, Tings just picked this bit of hammer and just slapped it off these fellas, just these <laughs> fella's face and walked out. And he was like, Tinks was like creased up laughing. And I was like, I'm sorry, mate, I'm sorry. He's like, Oh, no, Tinks, man, it's all right. I know what he's like. <laughs> this fella's got a bit of ham just on the side.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't I remember that. I can't remember his name
0: now. I remember that, yeah. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: <He got> <laughs> Right. Do you find yourself having to go around, Mick, just apologizing for Tinks to people all
1: to be honest it's normally hum, it's normally humps humps is the one because I, I to be honest i'm not gonna lie to you, i'm normally involved with things yeah. like, I, I, I was telling i was telling my boys today i was like tinks has got this thing that you'll be stood at a bar and it'll be quite quiet and you're having a couple of drinks and he'll come up and either get you in a headlock and, and he's strong especially when he's had a couple of beers he's even stronger <laughs> or you will walk up to you and he'll just start punching you in the face <laughs> and all of a sudden all the lads will start scrapping and it's do you know what i mean? So. It's normally Humps that apologizes isn't it, Tinks. He's <laughs> the one that normally tries to like calm everything down again.
2: Yeah, and, he does, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. fair mark. I know i will get a little publicity on, on this, but they are the lads as work just as bad as me by the way, once they get going. It's not really? just me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that,
0: I, you, man. Yeah. I think the yeah. reason
2: Tinks gets like
1: labeled is because he he just loves he, he's always in the set, he loves like the laugh, he loves he's got this <laughs> little giggle. And Brat again, Brat and Tinks are like thick as thieves and Brat says, That's when, why do you just do that little giggle when he's about to do something? And you know something's coming because he'll just, but well, he just seems to do it for his own fun as well. It's not to like keep anyone entertained
2: either. He's just he's just like, having a good time, aren't you, Tinks? Yeah, I mean, yeah I've got, got Daz Clarky over the years with some good stuff. These are, these are funny. But oh, i sauce one. Yeah, he's as bad as anyone, Clarky. The uh, tomato
0: sauce one, Tinks?
2: Yeah, I already had my taxi booked at the corner, so I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I seen my taxi out the corner of my eye, and I seen Daz come out, so I, I said, I can get him now, and them taxis out, I'll just run down to my taxi and jump in and away. So I thought him it was perfect. <laughs> away, car. Yeah, it was perfect. And he, he went in, back in the kebab show trying to wash his oh, tomato sauce off his face. <laughs> and you know well, the, the, there was a time, things when the lads
1: thought you were the most popular person in the world, because every, every Monday, things would come in, and he'd be like, I'll be like, Tigs, you look a bit rough. Like, what's been happening? Oh, well, I was at a Christian, Mickey. <laughs> he, was at a, he, was at, he was at a Christian every Sunday for about three months. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have some babies and buy his game, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right. The next story we're going to go over, and this is Westy
1: sent this in, is have you ever thought about apologizing
2: to the lass who's bike you nicked in Holland? <laughs> yeah that was because we couldn't get a taxi there's more bikes in holland than i've ever known so the, this girl decided um, we come out of the, the pub didn't we well being there's loads of bikes so i just decided to jump on the bike but i i, I was going to drive back to the knvb but i got lost so i come back back <laughs> past the lads and end up in a, in, in a load of bins so, Come off in the bins. <laughs> I got lots going there so drive, I come back and I pass the lads again I come off in some bins but I remember Westy Westy was telling us today he was like
1: Tinks has got this lass he's and he's riding off on it and this lass has gone do you think you'll bring that back? and Westy's gone probably not <laughs> hey. and, and the, the last story is, is this is from your sparring partner and when I say a sparring partner, Mark, these two used to physically fight, probably more than I've ever seen two people. Especially when we because they both <laughs> wanted to be the alpha male. So they, they would quite often be in front of all the lads, him and James a physio, and there would something would happen, and they would start grappling. And Tink's his favourite one, if he was ever in a headlock, or ever Jimmy, because Jimmy's a strong guy as well. Yeah, yeah. So Tinks would turn around and go, "Jimmy, the police are coming." So James would jump up. And then Tinks would jump back on top of him <laughs> and start scrapping. But I'll remember this because it was when we would being promoted, and we had a function the next year, and we'd stayed over, and then we had to put our club suits back on. I think Jimmy had left his at the ground, and he wants to know was it you that put all the raljeks and biofreeze in his
2: suit? <laughs> that was a that was a funny idea there. I- a caked suit and all that sort of stuff, but he had to wear you know, what the chairman was like, You gotta wear your suit, you gotta wear your tie, you gotta wear your badge, and he had no nothing with him. So, everybody, when he walked past everybody, everybody's going, That's
1: me. <laughs> I,
2: re-
1: I remember because uh, <laughs> he was going up to people to get a drink, and you could just see, people, like, we were all just waiting for him to talk, so you could just see people's face go, What? The next year I had a party at my house, remember, I had like yeah, a, a party Gumb, at my Gumb. house. So you and Jimmy come, and honestly, these, these two were absolutely steaming. I don't think they'd gone to bed off the night so before. We went,
2: did we go to the Nardipo, the, 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 the Pool? We went to get the, like, a presentation and stuff for the chairman? And yeah, you we, the, we did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. City, so, uh,
2: outside,
1: yeah. So it was the day after that and I'd said, look, I'll have a party of mine, anyone wants to come. And it, to be fair, where I was living at the time, was fair way out, so I didn't think anyone would come. And Tings and Jimmy comes, he still got his suit on, remember, he still had his suit on, stinking the place out. So I was like, James, I'll lend you some clothes, so I'll give him my clothes, and, and I put the suit in the garage. And even the next day, when I went to get it, it was absolutely stinking. But I'll never forget, because Jimmy, he was trying to, like trying to, well, when he's drunk, you can tell James is drunk. And um, someone got hurt at the party, and they were like, Oh, there's a physio over here. And I'm thinking, No, he, he's not in a fit <laughs> state to treat anyone. So we were talking about this today, and it was a little girl and should hurt her leg on the trampoline or something. And I remember James trying to like be serious. He was looking down, and he was like leaning forward, trying to treat her. <laughs> because he was that drunk, he could he could hardly say, so God knows what he said, right? Yeah, uh, he's, he's a good yeah. You you and him got on like house on fire things, didn't
2: you? Yeah, we did, because I was I was injured for a bit with Jimmy as well, and obviously me Achilles and stuff and yeah, we used to wind each other, wind each other up so much rotten and we used to do silly things. I used to do daft things in the treatment room with him and um, in his clothes and stuff. But he's a great lad. Um, he's gone on to great things, Jimmy, hasn't he? Brilliant. Yeah, he and has. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant.
2: Yeah, he's top class and I think he was at Arsenal, but he's still working for Wales and stuff. But he's, Yeah, he's a great great bloke and uh, there was some great times with Jimmy and I. Really good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks. Thanks. Uh, was uh, I've really enjoyed doing that, and thanks for spending your time. and, and good luck getting back to it with, uh, with the with the the young lads at Middlesbrough. That, uh, once things get back to normal.
2: Yeah. Cheers, Mark. Uh, cheers, Mark. I've in, I've enjoyed it. Um, it's been it's great when you you're back and you talk. And uh, obviously, obviously, young Mark been at for a long time, and um, it's great to talk and have a chat about old times. And obviously, seeing Mickey again and. I'm sure we'll be all out in there awfully soon. With when we get our lads up and have a few beers around Durham um, uh, when everything calms down a bit, it should be great, really. So, cheers, can cheers. I just
1: Tinkson? You know how much I love you, mate. And as I say, we've been friends for a long, long time. But there's one thing I want to know. Do you know the Mark Tinkler song? Did which you one? make that up? It comes from
2: Byers Green. <laughs> no, I, I think oh, it was Rob Tinkler. Rich. Whoa. I think Rob well, Rich <laughs> well, made that up, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I tell you, I used to wind the lads up when um, obviously the Cantonar song was Uar Cantonar, wasn't it? So when, when, when Cantonar left, I, I used to tell everybody, yeah, they, they started singing Uar Tinkle are now. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, cheers, cheers mate. Nice, nice, nice to see you again, Paula. Love you too, mate. All cheers, right, take mate. Care, <laughs> care, man. man. Take care, lads.
0: Bye bye. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks. Well, make every week. I say I enjoy these, and every week people tell us they're getting. You know, are we going to top last week and all this? But I tell you what, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself tonight. He's some bloke, tinks, isn't
1: he? Yeah, he is. He's as I said, we've been friends a long time, and and you can, tonight you can see why you want to be friends with him. You know, he's a he's a great guy. He was he's just got a, a mischievous side of him, and but no no nastiness about him at all. He's just yeah. a a lad who he likes, he likes to be, he likes to laugh and he, he likes to work hard and he, he, he does that in his life. You know, he's a caring person as well. People don't see that side of him and he's, and he's a good dad and he's just a real good fella to be around. And, and when you speak to him, it, it makes you happy in him. And I think tonight, hopefully, people will see what we've known for years and, and see that side of him as well.
0: And it's great that people like him are still in football, and they they? Passing on what they've experienced and the knowledge that they've had, you know? Because he admits he hasn't done everything right during his career, but to be able to pass on that experience to the next generation, particularly the, the club famed for it like Middlesbrough in terms of...
1: Producing 100%, Mark. I think even sometimes when someone... You've got to understand, and I, and I know we're disgusted, how good he actually was at that 15, 16-year-old. I have not realise I mean? that,
0: you know? I've never, no, know he, was, he was... England
1: captain he's the best player at that age group in England and, and when you hear the clubs at caught and, and he, he has made mistakes he I think he's quite openly said that and, and I think sometimes if you've been there and you made those mistakes then you can pass on your experience to young players about maybe outside of the training pitch as well so he's a good coach I've seen him coach but he's got that experience where you can say look I've done this this way and it didn't work out as well as I wanted to and he can guide those players like off the off the pitch as well so yeah he's had a bit of experience outside of football which helps as well and um, I know if I was a young lad and I would pick a coach to be coaching I wouldn't go too far away from Tinks
0: Well it's been some uh, sensational and I really enjoyed it so um, we'll wrap it up there Mickey and uh, we'll be back next week but thanks once again to our First ever podcast sponsor, Pretty Busy Signs. Do go and uh, have a look on Facebook and Twitter and keep an eye out for that competition as well for the Victoria Park sign. Uh, But Mickey, thanks very much again. Brilliant. Cheers, Mark. Good night.